everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Bavarian Podcast Works. This is Chuck Smith, and I am here to bring you the final episode of season one for the weekend warm-up podcast. Yep, we made it. There are 56 episodes in this season. This, of course, is number 56. If you were listening last week, you heard Samarin check in for me. I was away, so she uh, she sat in this seat, did an awesome job. Uh, it was great to hear someone else uh, do this podcast and uh, listen in from the outside. So I was uh, really happy to be able to hear her and appreciate her sitting in for me. But of course, this is the last week of the season for this podcast. And technically, I guess we can turn the page on the 2021-2022 season for Bayern Munich and start to look forward to what the squad will look like for next season, of course. The 2022-2023 season holds a lot of promise, holds a lot of question marks as well, and we will touch on a little bit of that during this podcast. But before we dive into our normal format, I just do want to say thank you to everyone who's been listening. It's been a real blast uh, sitting here every week and being able to do this podcast. It's a little bit different than what the other guys do at the flagship show. They do an awesome job. It's a lot more banter, a lot more back and forth. Uh, and of course, with the preview and the post game, we love to give those uh, shows uh, uh, some exposure. And we love that people like to check out the preview show to see what's coming uh, for the upcoming games and also the post game show to be able to react with everyone. It's really awesome. So our plans are to keep all four shows going. And we will look at ways we can add other shows. Uh, we have a couple of things we're kicking around, uh, maybe not on a weekly basis, but, uh, you know, it's we're all in the think tank right now, trying to look at ways we can reach the Bayern Munich fan base. So uh, there'll probably be some news to come, but for right now, we're planning with four and we'll see what else we can add along the way for next season. But again, thanks to everyone who's made this a lot of fun on a week to week basis. I appreciate all of the downloads, all of the views on the website and every interaction that we have, especially on Twitter. Uh, it's always a lot of fun. So much appreciated. And uh, you guys are the best. <sighs> now that we are done with that, we can get right into it. And there are many things we learned this week. Uh, <laughs> and one of them is that I think I'm completely over this Robert Lewandowski transfer saga. And man, this is... It's one of those tough things, right? So we went through this on the site back in 2018 when Lewandowski was flirting with Real Madrid for the better part of six months. And it was really painful back then because it was just nonstop. There were transfer rumors every day. And it wasn't just Real Madrid. There were, you know, we saw all the likely candidates, Chelsea, Manchester United, Manchester City, Liverpool. You saw them all. Um and back then, it was kind of a running joke on the site. We covered it because that's what we're here to do. We cover these stories. And believe it or not, we are drained from these, just like you are, I'm sure. It's, it's just come to the point in this saga, just like it did back in 2018, where there's been so much back and forth. There has been so much kind of bad blood but between the parties involved here that it just it's just old. And you know, in a lot of ways, I really just want it to be over one way or the other right now. Uh, you know, of course, we have FC Barcelona trying to just scrounge up change and any money it can find selling off portions of its TV rights. It's just incredible what they're doing to try and generate money. 
at this point. And, you know, if I'm Bayern Munich, I, I'm probably going to keep that hard line stance. And, and I'm kind of caught in a tough spot here because I do believe that Robert Lewandowski has put in enough work, that he's done enough great things at the club, that if there was an amicable way to do business here and work something out, that the club should work with him to do that. And I do firmly believe that. I think Lewandowski has went above and beyond in his tenure. He hasn't always been a model citizen in terms of how he's interacted with the club, how he's interacted with his teammates. Of course, you remember he got into a fist fight with Kingsley Coman, got into a dust dot with Matt Hummels. Um, you know, those are minor things that happen over the course of time at, on any club. So uh, I'm not super worried about that, but I do feel like he's been a bit wishy-washy at times, particularly back in 2018 and also again this season or this postseason, I should say. Uh, you know, I get that he wants to leave, but at the same time, I understand why the club needs to make this a good financial decision. Right now, the latest reports tell us that Byron could be holding out for upwards of 70 million euro to sell Robert Lewandowski. That number is completely reasonable to me. After all, even at 33, he is likely the most dangerous scorer on the planet. He is a guaranteed 30 goal machine for whatever club lands him, and he will make a direct impact. And he'll probably do so. He'll probably have another two to three years of really good play left before I think we'll start to see a decline. And that doesn't even mean it's going to be a sharp decline, but it'll be enough of a decline to the point where he's not a player that you want to wrap 30 million euro per season into if that's what his salary will be. So I understand that there would be some reluctance by FC Barcelona to spend that kind of money on an older player, but his importance to Bayern Munich and what he is worth money wise, should Bayern Munich make it into the latter rounds of the champions league far outweigh whatever proposal FC Barcelona is going to throw at Bayern Munich. The biggest thing Bayern has to worry about in all of this is how temperamental Lewandowski will be. Will he hold out like he is threatened to, or it's not even necessarily him threatening, but his people leaking these kinds of threats. I can't see him doing that. I can't see him sitting out, but I can see him being a jerk. (laughs) We've seen a little bit of that before. And he's had some, I don't want to say he's not a kid, so you don't want to say behavioral issues, but he's had some attitude issues uh, in the past. And right now with really how this team could go from stable to volatile really quickly because of a number of other things, um, having a, a very unhappy superstar in your locker room, having to answer questions about that very unhappy superstar, having a coach who could be on the hot seat, having to deal with all of this, uh, it's not ideal. It's really not. And, you know, if I'm Bayern Munich, I have to weigh everything. I have to weigh his monetary value. I have to weigh what FC Barcelona can realistically offer. And I have to weigh how important he is to what the end goal for the season is. And, and I think for most people, that's a treble, right? Like you want to win the Bundesliga, you want to win the Pokal, and you want to win the Champions League. That's the, that is the initial starting point for goals every season at Bayern Munich. Without Robert Lewandowski, that becomes... Uh, incredibly hard. Uh, The Bundesliga, while still attainable, and I would say they would still be a a pretty strong favorite, the competition's getting better. Borussia Dortmund has gotten better. Arbe Leipzig could be getting better. Bayer Leverkusen has gotten better. 
it's going to be more of a challenge next season with or without Lewandowski regardless. So Byron has to look at his value, not just in terms of money, but what he'll bring to the pitch and how much of a drop-off there will be if he leaves. Now, (laughs) the funny part of this story, and this is the kind of stuff that always cracks me up, is that Byron is reportedly not even answering the phone. They're not picking up when they see anyone from Barca calling. They're not interacting with Pining Zahavi. You know, in, in a way, you could say that Byron are are acting like jerks in this whole thing, but they have every right to do it. This is how the negotiations game is played. And for Robert Lewandowski, he's probably frustrated with his stance and where he's at and why he's in this situation and why he can't get out of it and, and go to somewhere where he wants to be. Um you know, I'm sure that that's a problem. Barcelona, meanwhile, they're so focused on Lewandowski that, I mean, if this doesn't work out, how do they bolster their team offensively? Do they ride with the players they have? Do they try and make a late run at someone else? It'll be very interesting to see what happens with them. I mean, this is this is not a stable club at Barcelona. I mean, once Lionel Messi left there, and it's only been one season. It was, it was shambles in the beginning. The team started off in a bad way. They did rebound and got better over the course of last season. But this is not your vintage Barcelona squad. So there are a lot of things at play here. All I know is that I'm ready for it to be over because it is just grinding on me every day to have to look at these stories and figure out, hey, do we cover this one? Do we cover that one do we put it in the daily schmuckerel how how do we work with all of this so i appreciate that the staffers at bfw haven't chased me off the site with torches and pitchforks and called me frankenstein because this has been a complete nightmare to cover and it's just grinding and i use that word because it is it is a grind we see so many stories about it and you know unfortunately in this case so many have validity that we've been covering them so uh we'll see what happens with Lewandowski I think that this could drag on a bit longer if you're Bayern Munich and you know you hold all the cards you're going to ride this out until the end and you're going to make him work for this transfer and you're going to make Barcelona pony up what you want and if it really is 70 million euro um Barca had better figure out some other ways to get generate some revenue because it just seems like they are hurting and this doesn't even include the money they have to pay out for some other players that they're interested in. So we'll see what happens with Robert Lewandowski. Obviously it's not an ideal situation for anybody or anything, but uh, it's going to go on for a while. So we'll be here to cover it. Even if uh, you know, we all have to drink ourselves to sleep every night while we're doing it. The second thing we learned this week, or at least that I learned is I sat down and I really started to look at this team and I started to say, what happens if Robert Lewandowski stays? What happens if Serge Gnabry stays? And then making those assumptions, I just came to the conclusion that this is an epic logjam of attacking talent. And it's a powder keg (laughs) to me. I do not see a way this could all work out if Gnabry stays, if Lewandowski stays. I think it's going to be a nightmare for Julian Nagelsmann. And here's why. So the latest thing that we've heard on Gnabry is that he has kind of changed his tune and he's thinking about staying, whether it's because his best friends are on this team, whether it's because he just feels comfortable in Munich, whatever the case may be. I'm sure that the the, the big salary that Byron is offering him is, is not a hindrance on his uh, willingness to stay at Byron. But 
whatever the case is, it looks like he is leaning towards staying with Bayern. If the deal for Lewandowski cannot be worked out, you're looking at Robert Lewandowski, Serge Gnabry, Thomas Muller, Kingsley Coman, Leroy Sané, Sadio Mane, Jamal Musiala, Paul Vonner, Gabriel Vidovich, Eric, <laughs> Eric Maxim Chubo-Moting. I mean, you have a ton of talent, just a ton. And we know that Chubo will be a backup. We know that Vidovich, if he sticks around and is not loaned out, he uh, will absolutely be a player that <laughs> probably doesn't get much time, unfortunately for him. It looked like at one point, that he was going to be someone that, that could start to break into the lineup with some appearances this season. But given all the attacking talent, it just doesn't look like he will be in a spot. As for Paul Vonner, I know that the club views him more of an eight, which would put him in competition with Leon Goretzka and probably Ryan Gravenberch. But there was also the plan we had heard about last year where they wanted to use him more of a 10 or as an attacker as he was younger until he got a little bit more strong, a little bit uh, more sturdy to be able to play uh, in a central midfield position. So Vonner and Vidovich were really the big losers in this whole deal. If Lewandowski and Gnabry stay, the addition of Sadio Mane has absolutely created an abundance of talent. I mean, this could be the most talented attacking uh, I mean, group that there is in the world at, at this point. Uh, when you look at players like the Roy Sané and Serge Gnabry, you, you think they might be like bench players. Jamal Musiala is going to be a bench player. Um, I mean, that, that's an incredible wealth of talent. And I, I do like, I'm always the person like, right. I, when I look at a roster and I see this much talent, I don't see it as like a fantasy football person or a person, that, you know, compiling a roster for FIFA to play online or whatever. I look at it and I see a headache because how do you keep them all happy? And it's been a theme that we've talked about over the years. And I've, I've kind of worried with that wing situation with Sané and Gnabry and Coman with three of them there. It's, it's a manageable situation, especially because all three tended to pick up some nicks over the course of a season. When you throw Musiala into the mix. And if you're like me, you believe that he is a sensational wing and probably, uh, if you look at his performances at wing, one of the more efficient and effective wings that Byron has had in the last five to six years, um, you know, you would say that, okay, yeah, that's, that's an abundance of talent there. That's a lot. Um, then you add Sadio Mane into the mix and listen, we know he's going to start. Whatever formation Julian Nagelsmann runs, Sadio Mane is going to have a position, whether that's operating more centrally as an attacking midfielder, with Thomas Muller, or if it's a, a more traditional Bayern setup where they use wings, uh, we will definitely see him out on the offensive flanks. But what do you do with a player like Musiala who deserves more playing time? How do you get it in that lineup? Do you take it from Muller? If you still have Lewandowski, are you, are you sitting him a little more because you know it's his last year? You're certainly not going to take it from Mane because he just signed a big deal. He kind of came out of nowhere to join your club. So he, he is pretty much entrenched. You look at players like Coman and Gnabry and Sané. How do they all stay happy? This is not an easy situation. For Julian Nagelsmann to be able to navigate this successfully, he's going to have to figure something out because there is no amount of communication, no amount of relationship building that is going to keep it together 
when players like Sané start to pout. Because if you look at it now and you judge Sané on his recent performances, he's not going to be a regular starter. And for a lot of people, that's going to be bitter. Uh, I mean, so listen, a little segue here on, on, on Sané, right? Like, let's get this out of the way. He is an exceptionally talented player. He is a great player. He has done a lot of good things. He has also not been good over the course of the second half of last season. He's not so sharp with Germany in his latest appearances. It looks like he's in a slump. Now, if you say this on our site, you get 10 people jumping down your throat saying you hate Sané, but I just have to look at it objectively. Like I don't have a bias against Sané. I could really care less one way or the other. I'm looking at how he's performed in the second half of the season. And I'm saying right now, he's not a starter. Yeah, you could argue his merit versus Kingsley Coman, or you could argue Gnabry and Sané all day. Gnabry's a roller coaster. Coman is, is, has been great, but he also has flashes of his old self where he turns inconsistent. Um, you know, <laughs> Mane is going to be there one way or the other. So those three players plus Musiala, that's four. I don't know how you make it work. I don't know how you keep everybody happy. You know, when you're integrating a new player like Mane into the mix, uh, listen, by all accounts, he's a great guy. I don't think you're, you're going to have a Jack Parkman locker room cancer kind of effect at Bayern Munich at all. I think, you know, everything we've heard about Mane is he's good teammate, good guy. That won't be an issue. But his presence being there is going to be. There will be less playing time. There will definitely be more conflict among those wingers as they're competing for time. And I think it's very unrealistic to have the old school mindset that, well, everybody's got to compete. Everybody's got to earn their job. Yeah, of course they do. But that doesn't mean they're not going to be happy. It doesn't mean they're not going to become a distraction or not going to sit there and pout when they don't get rewarded with a starting spot. It's going to be very difficult. Now, you could look at this and you could say, well, this does get easier if Robert Lewandowski leaves. This does get easier if Serge Gnabry leaves. Yeah, of course it does. But right now, it's just not clear if either player does. So if we assume that they're both coming back, this is too much talent for Julian Nagelsmann to manage. And one of the big selling points to the Bayern fan base about Nagelsmann was how he works with young players and integrates them in and builds them up and makes them a part of the first team. Well, I will tell you what, there is no shot that Gabriel Vidovich and Paul Vonner are going to get any significant playing time if Lewandowski and Gnabry stay and, and everyone else stays relatively healthy. There's no shot. I mean, these kids, I think both are talented. I think in the little bit of time we saw them last season, I think they both flashed a little bit of the uh, the, the type of performances that you would want to see from players. Sure. It wasn't the most comfortable spot. They're young kids making their debuts, but I think they handled themselves pretty well. The unfortunate part for them is that this is just like it was four to five years ago. If you were a young player trying to make, to break into Bayern Munich, it was very difficult. And we saw so many come and go. I mean, some of them are bouncing around still. I mean, you see Nicholas Dorsch is, he, back then you had the, the midfield log jam and now he's established that he's a, a pretty solid player in the Bundesliga that, you know, he could be a player if he continues to improve and get better, he could be in contention for a national team spot at some point down the road. 
it's not that all of those players were bad back then. It's just they couldn't break through when you had a midfield of Tiago and Xavi Alonso and uh, <laughs> Arturo Vidal and you had Muller playing the 10. You just you had it just Javi Martinez. You could go on and on. You started to integrate Goretzka to Liso, and that wasn't even including Kimmich, who was working as a right back at the time. You had so many good players. And that's what I feel like the Bayern Munich attack is right now. And, and you know, I'd like to say this is one of those good problems to have, but I really don't know if it is. I, I get a little bit worried that this is going to be too much for Julian Nagelsmann, who right now has a lot on his plate. So it will be something we'll be watching closely. But while this attacking talent is superior probably to anywhere else, it, it, it's not a guarantee of success because once players are out there and they start to press or they feel like they need to do more to stay on the field, or if they don't have a great performance, they're going to be on the bench again, you get some uneven performances. And I, I am certainly worried about Nagelsmann, how he handles it, but I'm also worried about what might happen over the course of the season as these players deal with their confidence, how they deal with having to not be the man. And as we saw last year with Marcel Sabitzer, when he was no longer the man, it kind of took a big edge out of his game and he never really recovered. So um, this is one that we will certainly be following, but things could change. Maybe Gnabry will leave. Maybe Lewandowski will leave. It would be a, it would be a big hurt to the squad if either of those players leave. But for Julian Nagelsmann, he, he's going to have to plan as if they're going to be here, and he's going to have to figure out a way to keep everyone happy. Uh, the third thing that we learned this week, and this is kind of a rumor that came out of nowhere, is that Bayern Munich is still in the, in the market for center back. So they want a center back. They have three candidates in mind. Uh, of course, Matthias Delight from, or Delict from Juventus, Kalidou Koulibaly from Napoli, and Gleison Bremer from Torino. Now we have heard the Bremer rumors many, many times, and he is of the three, probably the most affordable, though he is expected to draw a bid of 50 to 60 million, which could be too expensive for Bayern Munich. But if you believe that, then all of these players uh, would be expensive. I think Koulibaly is another one who could probably maybe fall below that 50 million euro mark. I'm not sure if he would. I'm not sure how eager Napoli is to get rid of him. But he is perhaps uh, just as attainable, if not maybe a little more attainable than Bremer. Now, the Ligt is someone who we are very familiar with at BFW because Byron was very closely linked to him back in, I believe, 2017. And the first time around, it looked like Byron was a true player for Matthijs de Ligt. He was, you know, he took that famous picture in front of the painted Byron Munich, Bayern Munich logo at the Allianz Arena. It looked and felt like he was going to be a, a good next generation Bayern Munich player. It didn't work out. Of course, he went to Juventus and um, has been kind of up and down there. He went into a, uh, a, a group of center backs that, of course, were very veteran and very good. And I think he's developed quite nicely. He, you know, Of course, he was a captain at a very young age at Ajax and with him, uh, I do think while he hasn't had the most consistent set of performances for Juventus, I think he still maintains that physical stature that makes him appealing. I think he's got the leadership capabilities, as we've seen with his early uh, 
anointing of being a captain back at Ajax. I think he's got a lot of the traits you want to see at a center for a modern day center back. Uh, I think he's pretty good on the ball. He's good in the air. Uh, I just think his price tag is probably going to be too much for Bayern Munich. So when I looked at that rumor, it really hit me. And I was like, as much as I think center back is a problem area for Bayern Munich or could potentially be one for Bayern Munich, I can't see them addressing it right now. And when I looked at those three names, it just jumped out to me that they're not going to get the leg to, I think they really like, and I think they're going to ride out Luca Hernandez, Benjamin Pavar, Diopa Makano, and most likely Tangai Nianzu, despite Nagelsmann having some issues with Nianzu. It appears that Chris Richards is likely one of the more likely candidates to be sold, which is very unfortunate. I think that I think these guys still has great potential and it's going to be a very good player. Uh, he's caught up in a bad numbers game here and it's just unfortunate. Uh, the kid is, you know, got a lot of talent. So uh, whatever happens with him, I, I, I'm interested to see where he goes and see how he performs wherever he lands. But, you know, one of the crazy theories I've had over the course of time is like just in reading interviews and things like that. I just personally don't believe Luca Hernandez is going to re up his deal with Bayern Munich when that expires. Uh, when you factor that in, if you're a crazy person like me who believes that, you know, you have uncertain futures for Benjamin Pavar, who, you know, he's going to make the move to center back this season, but, you know, we don't know exactly what his future plans are. And then you have Diego Makano, who has great potential, but was very shaky last season at times. And Tangai Nianzu, he is a case all, all unto himself. He has not proven anything yet. So center back is a problem area for next season. And while it does make sense that Byron would be looking into three players of the quality of Delict, Bremer, and Koulibaly, I can't see any of the three making the jump. I can't see Byron bucking up that much unless they sell a couple of players like Lewandowski or Gnabry or Richards or Xerxes. I mean, there are plenty of candidates for sale, but can they generate enough revenue to get a good impactful center back? I know they want a leader. I know they want someone who would really fill into like a future captain type role. I'm not saying whoever the center back is would be the captain because clearly Kimmich is going to be next in line, but you know, you want somebody who's vocal back there who can lead and who can really be that voice uh, on the back line that can lead the way for the future. To me, that person is delict, but it's never going to happen just because he'll be too expensive. And I just, I can't see that move happening. I can't see Byron uh, being able to buck up what Juventus uh, would want for him. So I'm not going to put too much stock into that. The fourth thing I learned this week is that Borussia Dortmund is getting very, very close. They're not there yet with Bayern Munich. They're, they're not neck and neck or anything like that, but they're getting there and they're making progress. It, you know, a lot of this is going to fall this season on Eden Terzic and how much of an impact he can make. Can he repeat the success he had when, his, when he was an interim manager? Can he reach the players like he did then? Uh, it's possible. Of course, losing Erling Haaland is just devastating. And that's really the only reason then I, I'm not pushing Dortmund up at the same level at Bayern, as Bayern at this point. If with all of the moves they made, with adding Sula and Karim Adeyemi and Nico Schlotterbeck, adding players like that to the existing core group that, that Borussia Dortmund has, I think it has absolutely made Dortmund a better team. 
But losing Holland was such an immense loss for obvious reasons. Um, you know, it's going to, to be one of those things. It's not going to be easy to replace. You know, you talk about Sebastian Haller and how he can come in and make an impact. I like him as a player. I think from a physical profile, he can do a lot of things. He can score in the air and score with both feet. He's, he's got a lot of talent, but he is not Erling Holland. And uh, that's going to be an adjustment. He doesn't have that dynamic speed and pace that Holland has. He's not as explosive as Holland. And I think, you know, if you watch Dortmund play over the past couple of seasons, that is what really stuck out. When Holland was on, you never felt like Dortmund was out of it. And when Holland got the ball, it was like you had to hold your breath because you were so sure he was going to do something that was going to create bad things for the opposition. And, um, you know, losing that type of player, it's, it's a killer for Dortmund. But I do think that they have made such good strides that they're pushing their way to that area where they are going to be a very serious contender to Bayern Munich this season. And while I don't think they quite have the mix yet, they are well on their way to getting there. So Dortmund is always a team to watch if you're a Bayern fan, but I do think that the pathway for them moving forward is way more clear than it has been in recent years. It seems like they've avoided the crazy missteps this post uh, this off season so far, and I, you know, part of me hopes that they can continue to do that because it's always great to have Byron and Dortmund operating at an optimal level. So that's something I would like to see. I still favor Byron, of course. Uh, they're just deeper, better, stronger right now. But Dortmund's getting there. So they are a team that will be on the rise, of course, with Leverkusen and RB Leipzig. There are a lot of fun things uh, about the Bundesliga. Of course, we'll touch on many of those in upcoming episodes. But, uh, you know, there's a lot of reason. There are a lot of reasons to be excited about the Bundesliga this season. So the fifth thing we learned about this week was one of those crazy stories at BFW, right? So, of course, we hear that, that Julian Nagelsmann, uh, it's confirmed he is dating a build reporter, right? So we cover that on the site. And if you've read BFW long enough, we don't get into any of the salacious details, the personal lives or anything like that. Cause frankly, we, we just don't care. I mean, like it, it's tough enough when you run into the stories, like the unfortunate, really tragic situation with J- uh, Jerome Boateng and his ex-girlfriend. Um, it was a very awful incident. You know, you, of course, over the course of time, we, we've had to cover, uh, you know, very bad stories with Kings of Coman and Franck Ribéry, uh, among others. It, it's, it's not easy to cover those, right? Because the nature of BFW is that it is a fan site and fans, for the most part, large segments of the populations don't want, of the fan population, don't want to hear bad things like that. So, we always try and cover them from a news perspective. And when we looked at this Nagelsmann situation, to me, it's, it's like anything else, like it's his personal life and it doesn't matter. The reason we did a post on it is because it does affect how the team is covered by build. And we don't know the specifics of when the relationship started or any of that. And, and that will never probably come to light, right? Like that's all going to be buried, but uh, Nagelsmann's new partner, I guess Lena Wurzenberger, 
she has done some really good work for build and she is one of the writers who has really um you know had a big lead on byron stories over the past couple of seasons um you know she is a, a a writer who at bfw who you know we read her stories and of course we put our spin on them to to post right so she's absolutely a writer we have seen and gotten to know in terms of her writing and and what her stories are and you know by all accounts for us she's been always been a very good writer and has put out good stories and you know of course we have put our spin on many of those um but the reason we did the post is because it does change how the team is going to be covered. She was obviously a very good writer, someone that was ingrained in the team, got a lot of good information, a lot of good stories um, that will change. Now, it's, it's not all that uncommon, believe it or not, that either an athlete or a coach becomes involved um, you know, with a writer or a reporter or whatever. It, it happens. It's, you know, it's human nature. Um, and you know, I think like when we post things like that, people sometimes don't even expect what we're doing. Like they automatically assume we're jumping into, you know, homewrecker type stuff. And, you know, Nagelsmann left his wife for her. We don't know any of that. So we would never say that. But when it does come to these things, we will we will cover it from what is a news perspective. And that's what we did. And, you know, it's kind of funny. Like people take this a lot of different ways. You know, I don't have any idea what type of person Julian Nagelsmann is. I don't know if he's got bad traits, all good traits, whatever. All I know is that he's a dedicated coach. He has uh, absolutely embraced uh, technology and of making the coaching profession evolve. And he's innovative. And I get all that. And listen, I was a proponent when they hired him thought he was a good fit did not come away all that blown away <laughs> last season I thought he did a a good job he got a Bundesliga title I think he's got a lot of challenges I don't necessarily always agree with his moves but um you know he's under enough pressure this season as it is and this probably doesn't help him because while we at BFW stay out of the mix on things like this you can be assured that the other outlets, particularly the ones based in Germany that are more tabloid based, you know, aside of build, of course, <laughs> they could, uh, they could have, uh, they could run wild with something like this. So, uh, you know, if you were wondering why we would cover that story, it was literally because it was about the news. I mean, literally a member of the media was involved in it. So we even put it in the post, but some people don't read the post. They just read the headlines. So I wanted to cover that because I felt like it was important. Like if you've noticed, you know, we obviously see a lot of the bad stories of the crazy stories, all that kind of stuff, particularly when it comes to spouses and all that. And we have always strayed from delving into the nonsense or delving into why someone breaks up with someone or all that or any of that. Like, you know, you saw Alfonso Davies had a breakup this summer. You know, no, we're not diving into the details of that. Of course, we saw all the crazy stories about why they might have, which were ludicrous, but um, you know, it's just not something that we do or care about. But if you have grass information or you get in a fight with someone at practice, we're all over that. We'd love that. <laughs> we love fight works. We love grass works. 
uh we love it our fight club i should say we love all that but i don't know you want to go have an affair or you want to hook up with someone or whatever we don't care we just it's not really our our bag so just wanted to put that out there um so i haven't finished up kenobi yet as i transition some entertainment uh because i was away last week and what i will tell you i was in southern california i was in the san diego and oceanside area and what i can tell you is my first time out in that area that absolutely i understand why people go there and stay there is one the weather is awesome even for a fair-skinned person like me i was probably a little sun was probably a little too harsh for me but um the weather was great there were beaches there were mountains there was a lot to do uh to me it was like if you want to go and you want to find a way to waste away and like not have to like uh you know you want to live an active life maybe not such a career professional life you just want to kind of hang out that would be a great place to do that and i think deep down inside a lot of us would love to be able to just take off go and uh just hang out (laughs) just not have to worry about all the responsibilities so i understand why if people do that they pick san diego to do it because it was a uh it was really a terrific area luckily for me i was able to catch my phillies when they were in town as well so i got to the game Unfortunately, it was the only game they lost in that series, which of course is my luck because I'm an albatross and a black cat and every everything else you could say. Uh, but the funny part about that is I was actually on TV somehow. I've never been on TV at a game in my life. The, the hundreds of games I've been to either as a fan or covering them or whatever have never been, I've never been caught on camera. And this time, of course I was. So uh, it's kind of funny how that worked out, but overall great trip out there with my daughter uh for soccer so that was a lot of fun uh that was you know really cool to be able to get that experience and uh just i have to recommend it i mean listen i am not a beach person because like i you know i go from like white to red to pink back to white like there's no like tanning for me uh and, and you know like so i'm always like i have to cover up with everything i'm wearing a bucket hat sunscreen long sleeves whatever right because like i don't you know, listen, I'm trying to avoid cancer best I can at this point. Um, but it is just a, a fun area, a lot to do. I felt like everywhere I went, people were active, riding bikes, paddle boarding, whatever, boating. It was awesome. Just really awesome to see like that type of community. And, and I get it. It's one of the few things like when I go somewhere, I always kind of gauge, could I live here? Um, and while being a married father of two, I don't, I can't picture myself going to San Diego, but if I was like 20 and I had like nothing really going on, I absolutely could picture myself going there and being a beach bum for a little bit, you know, just kind of living that lifestyle and uh, really enjoying it. So uh, pretty cool. Uh, I would highly recommend if you ever get a chance to go there, visit the Oceanside area, Carlsbad area. They were, they were really nice. Uh, the stadium in San Diego for baseball was awesome. Uh, really good setup. You know, for a stadium dead in the middle of the city, it was uh, easy to get in and get out of. So I was impressed with that. And just uh, the sight lines were good at the stadium. They had a good uh, Gallagher Square within the stadium, which is this kind of like a friggin' party area. It was like a rave going on. <laughs> um, it's really cool. Again, if I was like 20, I would have been all over that scene. 
but unfortunately, like I'm, I'm like bowing down on 46. So uh, while it was cool to see, I don't know that I could have hung there all night because, you know, who wants to be the old dude at the young person party? So uh, had a great time there. I'm going to catch up on Kenobi, finish that off. I'm going to catch up on the boys and, and hopefully be all in tune for this weekend and caught up on everything that I need to see. And somehow I missed Peaky Blinders released the season a while ago and i had no idea so i've i'm like freaking out because i don't know how i missed that i blame hashtag english tom adams for not telling me since we are the two peaky blinders uh mega fans at bfw so i blame tom for not letting me know about that but either way i just wanted to say that it was a great time in san diego and uh finish i just wanted to finish the podcast off once again by thanking you all again we made it we made it through season one we will kick off season two next week thank you all for listening it has been my pleasure to do this every week and i certainly have enjoyed it you can get me at the barrel blog on twitter you of course can always get the site at bavarian fb works you can get jake at jefferson fenner you can get tom at tommy i'm 71 you can get i need no name at BFWINNN, you can get Teddy or Samrin or Schnitzel. <laughs> you can get them all on our site. I don't believe they have Twitter yet. Uh, it's incredible. Teddy might, he might be sneaking around somewhere on, on Twitter, but he has not let us know that. So uh, check all of them out. As always, check our site out as well. Uh, we appreciate everybody checking in and us becoming, you know, one of the biggest hubs for Bayern Munich fans in the world. So uh, you know, can't say I appreciate you guys enough because uh, I really do. So we will see you next time. Have a couple of beers on me this weekend and enjoy it. We will, of course, have a lot more footy coming up soon enough. So enjoy this little bit of downtime you have left because the season will be really kicking into gear in a couple of weeks. See you next time.